welcome to Podspell, a podcast about the arts and America. A bi-weekly podcast where I, your host, Shay King, discuss with a slew of other artists from different mediums on how the arts can and could impact different social and political facets of our society. Or, like today, I want to talk to myself and hope you are there to listen. My hope for this project is to inspire more diverse, socially conscious art and to encourage all people to create work that can build connections within their own lives and communities for the better. Or just create for the fun of it. With so many people using the internet to share their thoughts and ideas about things, why would I feel so inclined to add to that deep sea of podcasting? Well, to be honest, because I'm a recent graduate who is building a career in the arts at a time when myself and so many other people are in conflict about what they're going to do with their lives. And worse, that people with all the money and who have all the leadership in the arts are struggling to find funding and finding investors. It's pretty scary. Every year, there are a new wave of young artists like myself looking to find a creative space to work. But the problem is, there are less and less opportunities for us. It doesn't help that here in the US, unlike a lot of other countries, we do not hold up the arts as a viable or serious career. We see at the academic level constant cutbacks, starting typically in the arts first, and we don't even have a national theater. Places like England, Germany, Sweden, even our new BFFs Russia, all have. They have institutions that represent their nations through the arts. We have Broadway, but that is slowly turning into the Las Vegas Strip, with all the celebrities, all the spectacle-driven productions, and films being adapted into flashy pop musicals. It also isn't representative of all the work that does go into the theater and all the work that those of us in it want to make. I have also been seeing the dissolving of some really wonderful artistic homes. My incredibly gifted friends and peers at Washington State University recently saw the end of their performing arts program a program that was recently on the up trying to rebuild, and they aren't the only theater performing arts program in the same situation. There is also the yearly battle for funding for the National Endowment of the Arts, struggles to keep the arts a part of any school's curriculum, and the argument so many of us have had with friends and family about getting a real job or pursuing something that's more lucrative. So why do it at all? Why do it when it sometimes feels like an uphill climb during a mudslide? Well, that is what this is all about. This podcast is a get at the core of why we are doing this creativity thing, and why more people need to start creating and sharing their own creations no matter their perceived limitations. The arts is a pretty broad spectrum, but what do they all have in common when you boil them all down to their core, the seed that is the arts or creativity? I believe it's connection to one another. The main reason for why we still do and should do more creative things is to connect to one another. I think that's why there are so many different ways to create things, because there are so many different ways to express and reach out to one another. The connective experience of art and storytelling has been the foundation of society since the dawn of people. I mean, we can go all the way back to early cave paintings. And it's not a coincidence to me that democracy and Western ideals of drama were created at the same time, in the same place. 
From dance, to music, to theater, to standing together, taking in a painting. The arts are a bridge to building a more empathetic and socially aware community of people. It brings us together through discourse, emotional tension, critical thinking, laughter, catharsis. We learn about one another in a deeply personal and intimate way through art and cultural sharings. It's pretty daunting to me that the arts don't get more support here in the US. Historically, the theater with vaudeville and touring productions, theater was a refuge for people during the Great Depression. I think it's becoming a refuge for us right now with what we're going through in this country. Back then, it brought us together during a time of great stress and turmoil. I mean, it was a lot cheaper to see theater then. For less than 15 bucks, you could see Death of a Salesman. I don't even want to know what you would pay to see it nowadays if you saw it in New York. But that's the wonderful and fruitful things that can come from artistic expression and for supporting one another through this intimate giving and sharing of story and truth. We can give each other space to mourn or to heal or to just get away from the day-to-day, -day, or in some cases embrace the day-to-day -day, depending on what you're seeing or experiencing in the theater. I think that's a wonderful gift we can give to each other. And it shouldn't cost us so much to get those experiences in our lives. But it is not just about money. I think myself and so many other artists and people who want to be artists lose sight of that. I mean, when we were little, did we need a budget to play pretend, to draw in the dirt, to make funny faces at the dinner table, to tell people stories that we made up, to sing and dance for everyone at church or family gatherings, or in my case, the aisles of Walmart? No, we didn't need a budget, nor did we need someone's approval to create something. We just needed to give ourselves the space to do it and be open enough to share it with whomever was near. I remember just doing it because it was what I wanted to do. Money wasn't a concept to me back then. Money wasn't the barrier between me and the creativity calling to me, waiting for me to grab it and shape it into something else. Being creative also wasn't something I thought had a limited resource. It was just how I was. It was really who I was, who I am. A creator, a dancer, a painter, a singer, an actor, a boy who just wanted to play. I am still all of those things, and so are you. Regardless of who we are or what we've been through, we all still have that little creative spirit that just wants to play. Our imagination doesn't diminish over time. Truthfully, I think it expands and it evolves to incorporate all the different parts of ourselves. We just get really good at hiding. We get good at hiding from the thought of creating, the fear of creating, hiding from the risk that someone might think we are weird or that they might not like what we have to say. Well, my opinion is, fuck them. Create because it's who you are. In the arts, because of the limited resources and opportunities, 
you kind of have to make your own way. And I know a lot of people say that, and then sort of leave it at that for you to figure it out on your own, but it is true. Learn to self-produce. It is not glamorous, but it does give you the freedom to create what you want and to make things that you can call your own. I'm a great example of that. I'm a theater artist, so this means that myself and a band of merry playmakers have a story we really want to tell, and we discover a place to play, and then make something weird and wonderful to share with people. I have so many peers and friends that are doing the exact same thing, coming together and creating. And people will come, I promise. Maybe not at first, and maybe not always. But word will spread that people are making something wonderful, and they will come. Beautiful, creative friends of mine in Chicago who just started The Neighborhood, people in Humboldt County and Limart and Night Vision, colleagues of mine in North Idaho starting youth choirs, and people in Moscow at the University of Idaho who do plays in backyards and at bars, or my friend Dan Cass who makes incredible short films and sketches on YouTube. Shout out Dan Cass Productions, like and subscribe. It's a small revolution for a lot of us, and there are a lot of us that do work in this way, but I think it is the future of the arts. Visual artist friends of mine who don't have space in their homes, so they ask to use old abandoned office buildings or garages that aren't being used at workyards. Dancers practicing in school spaces after hours so they can keep honing their craft. There are always ways to give yourself room to grow. And people are often willing to share things like space if you just ask. And as you do continue to self-produce and find ways to make work, you just keep getting better and better and more available to the great thing that is creativity. And you start to make connections through that way. And you start to work at other theaters and people start to notice what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you have a career or a beautiful hobby, which is wonderful because you're able to express yourself in this way that you've always wanted to. I think of the stories about how companies like Steppenwolf or Del Arte International, the Public Theater in New York, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, how they all got started. It was friends coming together to tell stories and do things in a way that felt truthful to them. And now those are flagship theaters that still pave the way for people like me to learn from. Those stories are common throughout the creative mediums, and that could be a story about one of us one day. Make your art and share it. Build your sculptures, dance your dance, and tell your stories. It's also becoming quite clear to me that the large oppressors of the world are afraid of what the arts can really do. If we become a community of vulnerable, empathetic, compassionate, and emotionally connected artists, then groups like, oh, I don't know, the NRA, for a random example that was not premeditated at all, couldn't deceive us with all the money and influence that they have over politicians and other leaders in our country. We would no longer be able to ignore the children being shot in schools, the families still being torn apart at the borders, or the people of color being gunned down in their backyards. We would be sensitive enough and emotionally intelligent enough to act upon those feelings of fear and to protect each other from the violence being spread 
because we will have taken the time to build impactful connections to our communities and to ourselves. It might be a leap, but I make a direct connection to the arts of being the things that go first during times of financial crisis and the growing fear and anxiety being produced from the top. If we had more connection to the arts and more freedom, self-given freedom to create, we would be living in the presence of something bigger than us by seeing, truly seeing the people around us for who they are. Living, breathing, beautiful, creative souls all wanting the same things that I do. If we had more of that in our society, we would be less susceptible to some of the bullshit and lies and fear-mongering that is often fed to us to keep us feeling safe and comfortable in these really terrible situations. If I am bold enough to dance without fear of feeling silly, if I can live in the truth of someone else in a play and empathetically experience the life of another, if I can paint seeing the beauty that is the person I am capturing, then I can see in my life what is not coming from a place of love or compassion. I can then see the greed and the fear baiting that so often plagues our communities and our leadership. I can then begin to sift through deceit and take the time to find what is real and truthful when politicians and other personalities tell me things online. I can become a person connected to the heartbeat of the world because I truly am curious about the experience of others and don't take everything at face value. If I can want the very best for you and you can want the very best for me, we won't get caught fighting over fake news or other things that in our hearts we really know aren't real. We can then start dealing with the real problem going on, which is the disconnect I feel from myself and from the people around me. Now, I came into the arts first as an audience member, as I think we all do in some way or another. We see a painting, a dance, we hear a song, or in my case, a movie that turned into a play. It was The Wizard of Oz. The movie was my safe space growing up. I felt a part of the story because I knew it so intimately. Then my mom's mom, who I affectionately call Baby, took me and my family to see a production at a theater in the town she was living in, and it changed my life forever. To be so close to the story that I love so much, and to be finally a part of the experience, made my imagination literally come to life. I sat on an aisle seat and kept my foot on the yellow brick road runner that was rolled out in the aisle of the theater seating. It intoxicated me, and it connected me to something bigger. I hold my foot on that yellow brick road every day, or at least I try to. I think of it every time I am in the rehearsal room for a new play, every time I get goosebumps from a song that I hear, and every time I witness something so moving, it brings me to tears. I am holding a space in my life for that little boy that just wanted to be friends with Dorothy, help her get home, and play. So what is your yellow brick road? What was that thing that first made you realize that creativity can be a part of everything you do? So that's my segue into the next episode. I'll be talking with another artist about how they got started and how that informs their work today. And we'll tie all that into a bigger conversation 
about the accessibility of the arts in America today for both audiences and artists. So day by day, I hope you create and create for the good of creating. Thanks for listening.